Dracula. I am Dracula. And I bid you welcome, Mr. Hart, to my heart. Come Our first award goes to the vampires for most blood drained in a single evening. The strength of the vampire is that people will not believe in him. sun is going down and you know what that means it's time for me to record another episode of my podcast the beautiful dead as always i'm your host lena nazari when i'm recording this i'm fresh off my trip to monster mania in philadelphia had a blast had an absolute blast It was so busy. I wanted to go live more than I did. I think I only did it one time. It was so busy. Robert England was there. Some people were waiting like five hours to meet him. It was packed. Great costumes. I had an absolute blast. Um, So, so, so much fun. Highlight of the weekend had to be meeting... um, the governor from The Walking Dead. It was so cool to talk. What a lovely, lovely person, lovely human being, wonderful soul. Had a blast meeting him. And of course, Dracula from Monster Squad. I completely fangirled. I think I told him that like he made my life. I was so, I was rambling, okay? I was very cool with the governor, everybody else, but Dracula from the Monster Squad. Listen, man, if you ever listen to this, Duncan, I think is his name. Oh my gosh. Just, I was rambling. I was like stumbling over myself. I took a picture. I posted on Instagram. I have the autographed picture, which I will be hanging up in my studio here soon. I will post things for you. Uh, lovely, wonderful neighbor. I had I got this amazing. We traded a book for a candle. She took one of my books and I took one of her candles. The candle is called Children of the Night, of course, and um, it is. Let me look. It is rose, amber, and patchouli. Oh my goodness! It is. It smells amazing. So go on my Instagram. You'll see a link to her. Um, smells amazing. Had a blast. Anywho, I'm getting distracted already. Three minutes in, I'm already distracted. So it turned cold here in Pittsburgh, but the upside is thanks to the time change, I get more nighttime. So I have more hours to get things done while the sun is down. Always appreciate that nice little uh, extra couple of hours. For those of you who follow me on Instagram, you'll see uh, that I am now very active on TikTok. I've been doing vampire facts, random vampire facts every day. And uh, somebody just commented, how can there be so many facts? Oh, there's a lot. Because anything that's been around for thousands of years, there's going to be some knowledge out there. Vampires are very good at keeping things secret, but there is some stuff that's leaked out. And I've posted all of that on my TikTok, on my Instagram, on my Facebook. So go check that out. 
The quickest way to find me is lenanazari.com. You can join my fanged family, join my street team, see links to all of my social media. And um, remember, I know this is sad, but this is the season finale, season two finale. Um, So you won't get new episodes from me until the second week of January because I want to spend time with my family these holidays and I have a lot to do to get this third book out. Speaking of the third book, the Kickstarter is about two weeks away from completion. We are only 34% into our goal. So this is crunch time. This is push time. Uh, If you love the books uh, or if you just love supporting small authors, this is a great way to do that. You chip in some money and it helps me publish the third book, but you get a bunch of rewards in exchange for that. You can help me get that third book out. You can also add on the first and second book to your pledge if you want to get those now and be ready for when the third one comes out. Kickstarter is an all or nothing platform, so if I don't make my campaign, I get nothing. So, um, If we don't hit the goal, I get $0, and I'm back to square one trying to figure out how to get this third book out. As I uh, referenced earlier, uh, New Orleans, that's going to be huge. I'm going the first weekend of January. Um, I can hardly contain myself. I will find out the first week of December if they are going to feature my panel, which I turned in, and if that happens, I will release... Um, an update to everybody, to my fanged family and on my social media. So please be a part of that because I'm not going to upload an episode just to update you on that. So please follow me on my social media to see what's going on in New Orleans. And um, I will be staying in a haunted hotel. So you will get to see, I'm going to do some lives from the haunted hotel. So you will get to see if anything happens. I will do lives walking down Bourbon Street. I really want to walk around where uh, Interview with a Vampire was filmed. So I will be posting, of course, from the graveyard. So you really need to follow me on Instagram or you're going to miss out on all of that. You know, the first part of the episode, I don't script, so I I have lost track of everything I've talked about, so hopefully I've hit all the big points. We're seven minutes in. You guys are probably like, okay, enough. We've heard this already. Can you please just get to the juicy stuff? This is it. So, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That was a heck of an undertaking. Not because of the fact that it's, you know many seasons long. Uh, Obviously, I've watched Supernatural, um, but because I took it very, very seriously, there is nostalgia involved for all of us who loved Buffy, and um, I took that very seriously. I also took it seriously as a vampire podcast host and expert, so I really wanted to dive into the lore and how the vampires present in this world while being respectful and... um, I felt a little bit of pressure on this one, guys. I'm not going to lie. I felt a little pressure. So let's do this. Welcome to the Hellmouth, everybody. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV show. It ran from 1997 until 2003. And originally, I was going to do the movie and the show as a universe. However, during research... um, Oh, I can't believe I forgot to say this. Massive spoiler alert. If you've never watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I am going to ruin everything. So, 
If you've never seen it and you've always wanted to watch it organically, you need to stop this episode right now. Go watch the six or seven seasons. I think it was seven seasons. And then come back and listen to this because I'm telling you I'm going to ruin it all. So I can't believe I forgot to say that. Shame on me. So um, here I'm looking it up now. Yeah, seven seasons. I thought so. Okay, so originally I was going to do the movie and the show as a universe. However, when I was doing the research, I actually discovered something from Joss Whedon that says um, this movie should be considered a standalone and that any of the events, characters, or character traits in the movie should not be referred to as canon for the television series of the same name. So I think I was under the impression that the show was supposed to pick up where the movie left off. Now they do actually reference it in the first couple episodes. They talk about her burning down the gym. She already knows that she's the slayer. Um, but Joss said that we shouldn't, we shouldn't see it like a universe or like a canon, but as like a standalone thing. So I guess I was wrong. I always thought that the show was supposed to pick up where the movie left off, but I guess that's not true. So I will do the movie a different time, but uh, let's talk about this TV show. So if you don't know the cast, we're just going to hit the major ones, okay? And if you hear my dog groaning underneath me, I apologize. I actually gave her a bone. Um, hold on. She's choking. Hold on. All right, everybody. She's okay. I actually gave her a, um, a bone to gnaw on while I was recording because I didn't want to repeat of the last time when I had to restart half a dozen times because she was being so noisy but she goes at it so fast that she ends up in taking a bunch of air and then she has a belly ache so um don't worry she's fine she's calm now and i forgot what i was going to do oh the cast so the cast of the show we're just going to hit the big ones again seven seasons okay so i'm not going to hit every person that was in here um but let's hit the big ones sarah michelle geller played Buffy, David Boreanaz as Angel, Julie Benz as Darla, James Marsters as Spike, Juliet Landau as Drusilla. Um, of course, we also have um, Xander and Willow and Giles and uh, Oz and Tara and all Cordelia, all these big, big, um, big parts in the show but I really just wanted to hit the slayer and the and the vampires the big vampires because that is what we are here to talk about vampiric crossovers the show is massive okay please don't come at me about crossovers I know I'm not going to hit all of them but let's hit the really big ones so Rudolph Martin plays Dracula in this show and then plays Vlad Sepish in Dark Prince the true story of Dracula Tom Lenk plays Andrew and Claire Kramer is Glory in this show and both are in the 2006 movie The Thirst. Nathan Fillion is in this show as Caleb and then also in Dracula 2000. Brian Thompson plays the judge and Luke in this show and was also in Kindred The Embraced. Uh, Jeff Kober plays the vampire that Buffy has to fight on her 18th birthday and he is also in supernatural van helsing and kindred the embraced and then big one 
Julie Benz, Amy Acker, James Marsters, Charisma Carpenter, Amber Benson, Mercedes McNabb, Rob Benedict, David Hayden Jones, and Felicia Day were all in this show, as well as Supernatural. Lots of Supernatural crossovers, which you guys know how much I love Supernatural. So I caught just about every person that walked into the Buffy universe that I knew from Supernatural. Again, please don't come at me, okay? It's a Supernatural is 15 episodes, 15 seasons long. This is seven seasons long. I'm not going to hit them all, okay? For those of you who have decided to listen to this episode and are not familiar with the show, let's do a quick synopsis. Buffy Summers, who's played by Sarah Michelle Gellar, is the Slayer, one in a long line of young women chosen by fate to battle evil forces. This mystical calling grants her powers that dramatically increase physical strength, endurance, endurance, agility, uh, accelerated healing, intuition. Um, there's even like a little bit of precognition that happens throughout. And that's usually like in the form of dreams. She'll have dreams of prophecy. She is known as a reluctant hero who wants to live a normal life. However, she does have to learn to embrace her destiny as the vampire slayer. Buffy receives guidance from her watcher, uh, Rupert Giles, who we will just call Giles. Giles rarely is referred to by his first name. There we go. Back in his rebellious days, he was called Ripper. He's the member of the Watcher's Council, whose job it is to train and guide the Slayers. Giles researches the supernatural creatures that Buffy must face, offers insights into their origins, and advice on how to defeat them, as well as training her in her fighting. Buffy is also helped by her friends that she meets at Sunnydale High. There's Willow, played by Allison Hannigan, and Xander, played by Nicholas Brendan. Willow's originally a wallflower, but she is like very, very smart. Um, she's sort of a contrast to Buffy. Um, Buffy's like very outgoing, but she's not very good in school as far as like being educational. So Willow sort of um, contradicts all of that. They do share in the social isolation that comes with being different, especially from um, like high school. You know, Buffy is the slayer. Willow is extremely bright. So they both kind of don't fit in. As the series progresses, Willow becomes more assertive. She becomes a powerful witch. She eventually does become lesbian. And in contrast, Xander, who has no supernatural abilities, is sort of like the comic relief. He's very grounded. He's always the one that's kind of like, hold on, guys, let's think about this. It's Xander who often provides the heart to the show. And in season six, he becomes the hero. And in place of Buffy, he's actually the one to defeat the big bat. So that was good for him. Buffy and Willow are the only characters who appear in all 144 episodes. Xander is only missing in one. The cast of characters grow over the course of the series, obviously. Buffy first arrives into Sunnydale with her mom, Joyce who functions as sort of the anchor of normality in the summer's lives. Eventually, she does learn that Buffy is the slayer, and she kind of has to deal with all that. And then later on, Buffy's younger sister, Dawn, who's played by Michelle Trachtenberg, is introduced. Um, you find out later on that she's sort of a supernatural being who's been placed into uh, the, the slayer's world to protect. We also have Angel, 
This is a vampire with a tortured, who's tortured because he's been given his soul back. And he was given it back by some gypsies. And because he killed a gypsy girl, and this is sort of his penance, he now has his soul. So he is tortured by that and what he did. He's Buffy's love interest throughout the first three seasons. And then does eventually leave Buffy after realizing that he's never going to be able to give her a normal life. Um, and that he needs to go on and make amends for his sins and like kind of find redemption. Well, that's because he got his own spinoff show called Angel, which we will do uh, later. At Sunnydale High, Buffy meets other important students. So Cordelia is one of those. And Cordelia um, sort of joins, they call it the Scooby Gang, which is Willow and Xander who help Buffy with the research and fighting. So she becomes one of the Scoobies. And then Oz is a fellow student. He's, um, he plays in a rock band and we find out he's a werewolf and he joins because he starts dating Willow. We also get Jenny. Jenny is um, the computer science teacher who actually we find out is a techno pagan, which I'll explain later. And she helps them for a little while. Also, we have Anya. She's a former vengeance demon who specializes in avenging scorned women. And she actually ends up being with Xander for quite some time after she loses her powers. In Buffy's senior year, uh, we meet Faith. She is another slayer who got called forth when a previous slayer was called forth because Buffy dies like for like five minutes. So spoiler alert, Buffy dies for five minutes. It calls forth another slayer. That's Kendra. When Kendra dies, uh, she's killed by Drusilla. Then that calls forth faith and faith does kind of stay substantially for a while. Initially faith is good, but she does actually start to stand against the group and sides with this evil mare um, after she accidentally kills a human, she sort of head down, heads down a dark spiral, um, but she eventually will come back and help everybody. And she actually shows up a bunch in Angel. We also have Spike, big character. Spike is a vampire. He's an old companion of Angel when Angel was still bad. He's one of Buffy's major enemies for several seasons, then becomes an ally, and then, spoiler alert, becomes her lover. At the end of the sixth season, Spike regains his soul, and he's most well-known because he's got this, like, bleach blonde hair and black leather coat that he stole from a previous slayer who he murdered. Her name was Robin Wood, and then Robin's son joins them in the final season and helps the gang. We also have Tara. She is a fellow member of Willa's Wicca group, becomes Willa's uh, lover, and helps the Scoobies fight off evil. Um, and then last but not least, Riley shows up when Buffy goes to college. Um, they're involved personally and professionally because Riley is part of this military group called the Initiative, which hunts down demons um, using more like military style science and technology. So these are kind of our bigger, bigger moments. Let's get to the fun stuff. Let's talk about some fun trivia. So while I was doing research, I found some really fun trivia I thought I would share with you guys. If you're big Buffy fans, you might already know all of this, but maybe you don't. So I'll be excited if I share something with you you don't know. In 2010, Entertainment Weekly magazine called Buffy the number three character of all time. She came in after 
Homer Simpson and Harry Potter. So that's, I mean, prestigious group. Also ranked number 10 on Entertainment Weekly's list of the 100 greatest shows of all time. Number 10. Uh, the series creator Josh, Joss, Joss Whedon. Uh, has said that the idea for Buffy came from all the horror movies he had seen featuring these helpless young blondes who would almost be the first to die. And he just thought, I, I need a better image for these girls. Ryan Reynolds was originally offered the role of Xander and he passed on it because of his own awful high school experiences. He said, I love the show. I love Joss Whedon, but my biggest concern was that I didn't want to play a guy in high school. So isn't that interesting? Ryan Reynolds. I could see him playing that role. Uh, Angel was originally conceived as nothing more than a weird guy who occasionally showed up to give Buffy vague advice. There were several ideas for his true identity tossed around, including that he was an actual angel who needed to complete a certain number of good deeds before he was allowed back into heaven. And then they decided, literally while writing the episode with the big reveal, that he would just be a vampire. James Marsters originally auditioned for Spike with a Texan accent. This was quickly jettisoned in favor of the London accent that we all know and love. Nathan Fillion, who we all know, originally auditioned for the role of Angel. Spike's birth name, William Pratt is also the birth name of iconic horror actor Boris Karloff. It's interesting. Out of the 144 episodes, only seven have no vampires at all. That is Witch, The Pack, iRobot Eugene, The Puppet Show, Inca Mummy Girl, Living Conditions, and Fear Itself are the only episodes to show no vampires at all. And in the last episode, the core four split up in the exact reverse order that they met Buffy in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Welcome to the Hellmouth. Giles, whom she met last, leaves first. Then Willow, who she met second. And then Xander, whom she met first. What are the vampires' relationships to humans in this universe? Well, with the exception of the Slayer, her Watcher, and her closest circle, many of the vampires, vampires are not known to humans in this world. So there's a lot of, like, um, vampires aren't real. I saw a guy with a funny face. I don't know what's going on with him. There's a lot of, like, people either acting dumb or com being completely oblivious to the fact that there's a lot of vampires in this town. Humans are essentially only food to the vampires, except every once in a while you get a vamp that falls in love with a human and turns them. Uh, like I said, there is this group called the Initiative. They're this secret military operation that trains soldiers to go out and capture supernatural creatures to be brought back to a lab where scientists can study them. So those are humans who are fully aware of supernatural creatures. Um, they even plant chips in the bodies of the monsters that make them unable to hurt humans. So this happens to Spike when he's captured. So he spends many seasons not being able to like actually attack humans because of the initiative. In honor of this show, I've added a new category to our review. So you will see this in the new season. 
relationships with other supernatural creatures. So we talk about their relationship to humans. Let's talk about their relationship to soups. In this universe, there are a lot of other supernatural creatures. The main job of the Scooby gang is to figure out what they're up against in each episode, very much like Supernatural. Uh, in this world, we see demons, witches, ghosts, werewolves, gods, many, many other things. And it is explained by Giles that vampires are essentially possessed humans. That when they turn, the demon rips the soul out and replaces it. Uh, the vampires tend to kind of stick together, but we do see them interacting with other demons like friends. Um, and sometimes they'll even try to conjure specific demons or gods to help them in some way. But the vampires very much are played like, like they see themselves as superior supernatural creatures. Appearance. When they aren't vamped out, the vampires look just like us. Um, many of them lure in humans by looking helpless or young. And then once they vamp out, they have fangs, prominent cheekbones and foreheads. Their eyes turn yellow. They look extremely inhuman. Their skin almost becomes like a grayish hue. Um, you have to look up the picture if you've never seen it before. That, But this is where the term vamp out came from fangs. The fangs are retractable because we don't always see them. Once vamped out, the vampire has a mouthful of sharp teeth. And it seems the process is triggered not just by the intention to feed, but sometimes just by the need to fight. So sometimes, much like dogs, they'll do it just to be intimidating. Blood. Pretty classic. These vampires have to have blood. They can feed from non-human if they need to, but they have to they have to drink blood. Sunlight, also very classic. These vampires cannot be in the sun. Um, but as with many other universes, there is always a vampire trying to figure out some way to be in the sun. They're using magic. They're trying to do some kind of special ritual to be in the sun. We see a lot of uh, episodes where Spike uses like a big blanket to cover himself to be out in the sun. So it's not like they, you know, go dead at sunup. Uh, they can be awake and they just need to cover themselves. And we do see his car many times where he's got the windows blacked out and he has just enough scraped off for him to drive. Sleep. They just have to be out of the sun. We know Angel sleeps in a bed because we see his place. Um, others choose to be in coffins, but you don't have to. Spike has a lair set up. Uh, first, he's in a cave. Then he's like in different crypts. We see a group of vampires in an abandoned frat house at one point. So as long as they're out of the sun, they're good. Holy items do repel these vampires. We see Buffy using crosses to fight vampires off and burn them. Uh, when, when the cross touches the vampire flesh, it does burn them. And holy water also burns them like acid. So pretty standard stuff. As far as rules go, again, we're going to go with standard classic vampire. Uh, they have to be invited in. The invitation can't just be rescinded like we see in other universes like True Blood. But witches can use a spell to undo the invite and block the vampires again. So we see this with Angel. When he's good, Buffy invites him in. And then when he turns evil, they have to use witchcraft to block him from getting in. Um, we also know that they do not cast a reflection, but they don't seem to have any issues crossing running streams. So it doesn't go like 
to that far back as far as vampire lore, but they have to be invited in and no reflection. Powers. So this, this is a little complicated because we're going to do Dracula and then not Dracula. In season five, episode one, we see Dracula. We all know how I feel about that, but we will get to that in a minute. He, for whatever reason, is different than every other vampire in this universe. He is uh, able to mesmerize. He can turn into vapor. He can turn into a bat or a wolf. Um, he turns Xander into his human servant at one point. The rest of the vampires can't do that. <laughs> so, okay. They are just strong. They have heightened senses and they're essentially immortal, but that's it. Like they can't turn to fog or mesmerize or any of the stuff that Dracula could do. How are they made? So this is like I, what, like I explained, Giles explains that before humans, the world was full of demons. They were cast down to hell to clear out the earth for us. But one of the last demons to leave bit a human and then made him a vampire. That vampire bit another human and so on and so forth. So what we know is that when vampires feed off humans, that human will rise. And this is why Buffy hangs out in graveyards at night because she's waiting for these new vamps to rise. So if they bite you and drain you and kill you, you will rise. They don't need to like give you their blood or anything. But when that turn happens, you're not rising as yourself. You are rising as a demon. So the person that you used to be, not there anymore. But it seems like the demon holds on to the human's memories because we see a couple turned people and they have the memory. Like Buffy has a whole conversation one night with this guy she used to go to high school with. And he has all the same memories, but we know that he's a demon. So take with that mill it around in your brain. Think about it. I thought about it for way too long. So we're going to move on. Do they have a heartbeat and do they breathe? It is rep referenced many, many, many times in the show that they have neither. So that was very helpful for me. Spike even makes multiple comments about not being able to breathe or have a heartbeat. So that was helpful for me. I appreciate that. How are they killed? Pretty standard. Again, decapitation, fire, stake to the heart. And these vamps, when they die, they turn to ash. They refer to it as dusting a vamp. And it's great for hunters because you know if you did it right or not. So like with some of these things, you stab them, but you don't know if they're truly dead. Well, these things turn into a pile of ash and you can walk away because you know you did it right. Like I explained before, there is not a way... Um, I mean, there is a way to actually not kill them, but make them harmless. And this is the initiative that figures it out. And we see it with Spike. They put like a chip in his head. So whenever he tries to not just bite a human, he can't even punch a human. He can't hurt a human. It causes him wrenching head pain whenever he tries. So he has to like drink blood, like donated blood from a mug. That's the only way he can feed, but he can hurt demons. So he helps them fight monsters, um, but he cannot hurt a human. So that was an interesting twist on the lore. You don't have to kill them, but you can kind of like make them harmless. So that was interesting, like clipping the wings on a bird, I guess. Are they good or are they bad? 
<sighs> so let's address the whole soul versus no soul thing. In in the early seasons, it, it is completely explained to us that all vampires are soulless, which makes them bad. Angel is good because he was given his soul. But we have to look at Spike. Because yes, eventually Spike gets his soul back. But even leading up to the moment where he gets his soul back, he, he becomes good. He loves Buffy in the way that he loves he goes and seeks out a way to get his soul back. So if he is, if he has the desire to have a soul to win the heart of the girl he loves, I don't know, we're getting philosophical here, right? I mean, doesn't that then make him somebody who is good before he's even gotten his soul back? So that one, again, I thought way too long about when I was trying to write this whole thing out. In the beginning, like with many of these shows, we see it in Supernatural too. In the beginning, it's so cut and dry. But as the seasons go on, you get into deeper material. You start to almost contradict yourself. So if Spike is a demon, but he loves Buffy and he seeks out a way to get his soul back, then is he truly evil? I don't think he is. So... This is the thing that I find so intriguing about Spike's character is that he, and we're, I'm going to talk about this more at the end, so I don't want to get too into it, but he really does bring up such, out of all of the characters in this show, and I've said this to James Marsters, is Spike is the most intriguing because he really, he really makes us all think about redemption and are you ever too far gone to be redeemed and I and I think the answer is no and um, a lot of that came from this this character having to th really think this out but I, I digress let's let's finish our review and then we'll get on to my thoughts tropes I love and tropes I hate I think you guys already know what I'm going to say um First off, we all know that I love a good flashback. This is the thing I love about vampire storytelling is that if you're going to make your vampire 500 years old, you have so much material to work with as far as flashbacks. Um, many of us have seen this the Civil War flashback. You know, we saw it in True Blood. We saw it in um, Vampire Diaries. I, I, and maybe it's because I was raised in Manassas, Virginia, where the Civil War is sort of shoved down your throat. I get a little tired of the Civil War uh, flashbacks. But this is very well done. So we get to see Europe. We get to see Ireland. We get to see all these great flashbacks. And William uh, Spike has the best flashbacks by far. When they flashback to him as a struggling poet, Oh my God, it is, it is amazing. And the flashbacks with him and his mom, that's all I have to say. If you haven't seen it, you need to go watch it because the whole relationship with him and his mother, oh my goodness. I, uh, uh, that's all I'm going to say. Next, I love the forbidden relationship trope. We see um, in other shows, we've seen vampire werewolf. We've seen human vampire, um, but this is hunter and hunty. So with with um, with Buffy and Angel, it's not too shocking because you know he has a soul. But with Buffy and Spike, like you want to talk about a forbidden relationship? Oh, what a great way to do it! 
Spike and Buffy's love is one of my favorites of all time. Um, I also, also love when gypsies are included. This is another trope I absolutely love. We see this in Vampire Diaries. We see this in Hemlock Grove. Uh, witches are fun. I love a good witch storyline, but there's something about gypsy lore that is so intriguing. Gypsies and ancient Egyptian magic. Those are the two that I am like most on board to see. So interesting. I love a good Romany gypsy lore. And in Buffy, they make it even a little more interesting when you find out that Jenny is not only a gypsy, but she's a techno-pagan. And in this world, that, that, um, that means that she is a witch. She is a, a Romany gypsy. She practices magic, but she uses technology in her magic. So computers, like in this day and age, your iPhone, your iPad, like she uses these things in her rituals. So I thought that was pretty interesting very very cool tropes i hate first off you guys know i want my vampires to have two sharp canines we've been through this a million trillion times so i don't need to hit on it dear goddess i hate the self-loathing brooding vampire trope louis does it edward does it they're pretty pathetic uh we see it with bill we see it with Stefan, but Angel, my goodness, Angel really embodies that terrible trope. And it was so much worse watching it 20 years later. When you're younger, it almost seems like romantic and he's tortured. But now in my 40s, boy, howdy, did I do a lot of eye rolling watching Angel. I don't know how I ever thought he was dreamy. I, I, about six episodes in, I was like, oh my God, shut up. But like, just put your baggage on the shelf, please. Because poor Buffy has enough on her plate without dealing with his constant baggage. So yeah, that's, I hate the self-loathing, self-hating vampire trope. I, I, some of you out there may think it's super romantic and you love a good damaged man. I, I'm not into that. So moving on, let's get to everybody's favorite, the ratings. How scary or evil are the vampires of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? I'm going to take a little sip of wine. Well, yes, sometimes these vampires can be a little bit goofy. You do have to keep something in mind. And this is something I held on to as I was watching the show. They need a special, super-powered, called forth by the universe and fate herself, slayer, just to bring them down. So that is nothing to scoff at. They're strong. They have demons inside of them. Uh, they often use magic to call forth other demons and gods and demigods in an attempt to kill not just the Slayer, but other supernatural beings, like no loyalty at all. They travel in packs, and according to flashbacks, they will rip through whole cities. They devastate entire cities. That being said, magic can give them their souls back. They are bound by the sun. Um, but they're not infallible, okay? So here's the thing. They're, 
that you have to bear in mind with about with these vampires and I you guys know I take this very very seriously when I do these ratings they seem more concerned with being debaucherous or the toughest guy in the room and that cockiness I think is their major weakness it's not even the sunlight because they can slap a blanket over their face and go out in sunlight it's that cockiness the the vampires in this universe are constantly puffing their chests like roosters trying to show off and that is what gets them killed and so here it is drum roll please instead you'll have to listen to my dog pacing in the background instead of a drum roll the vampires of buffy the vampire slayer get seven out of ten stakes to the heart for scariness and evil even I was surprised at how high that rating was because they do kind of come across cheesy sometimes. However, I mean, they're freaking demons, okay? And they will devastate a city and again, need fate to call forth a special super powered trained warrior just to bring them down. That's pretty badass. Okay, you got to give it to the vampires. I know the whole show's about the Slayer, but on the flip side, like these vamps are such a problem that you need the Slayer to bring them down. So good job, vamps. Seven out of ten stakes to the heart. That is solid. How sexy or alluring are the vampires of the Hellmouth? These vampires don't have that kind of draw that pulls humans towards them, but they tend to be very attractive humans that have been turned. I think there's like a, you know, the vampires are looking for sexy people to turn. It seems to be a theme. We know that they can have sex because a few storylines just revolve completely around one night <laughs> spent in a vampire's bed. Sex doesn't necessarily seem to be their main motivator. However, that being said, a majority of the sex we see is within the context of a relationship. The one standout, of course, is Buffy and Spike's first time. They literally destroy a house in their first <clears throat> dance. So I had to ask myself, are they more sexy or evil and I think we can all agree they care more about blood and power than getting some nookie so the vampires of Buffy the Vampire Slayer get a pretty solid 5.5 out of 10 for sexiness and allure now I have to be transparent I don't want to lie to you guys you're my friends I myself found Spike extremely sexy. I was in high school and college when the show came out. I think he really shaped part of what I think attracts me. <laughs> I understand he's a very problematic character. Um, many of us have said we blame Spike for our attraction to bad boys or broken people, people that need fixed. Um, I understand that he's problematic but I found him extremely sexy. Um, of course, I have to keep this objective though. I have to keep it objective. This is a serious podcast. So I will keep my opinion out of it and stand by my five and a half onks for sexiness and allure. 
I just want to apologize again for the clickety clacking of the dogs. I don't know why. I'm telling you, they the the animals don't move for hours. And the second I hit record, I don't know, maybe it's the tone of my voice. She hovers around my feet. If you saw her right now, you would tell me to go get a restraining order because the dog is obsessed with me. All right. My thoughts. This show started when I was 17. It ran through college for me. It absolutely, I was the demographic. I was the age and interest that they were looking to hook. It didn't start my love of vampires. I've been clear that um, Bella Lugosi was my first exposure to vampires. It was love at first sight. Um, so it didn't start my love of vampires. But up until this point, my vampire exposure was dark. It was Lost Boys, Dracula, Interview with a Vampire. And then Buffy came along. And Buffy was lighter, and it had humor, and it was relatable since I was the same age as the Scooby Gang. And it sort of broadened my horizon of vampires. It was the first time that I think that Lena's um, young, underdeveloped brain understood that you could take this lore and mold it in any way that you wanted to. You could put vampires in California, in Alaska, you could put them anywhere you wanted to. And it was the first time where I thought, wow, it, you can really, it is a universal lore. It, it could be anywhere. This was the first time I thought like they could just be at high school with me. They could be, you know, at the burger joint with me. And that was the first time that I recognized that it was universal. Um, I have to share with you some of my favorite episodes because we're friends and I just rewatched the whole thing and the, the nostalgia was strong, but there were some episodes that truly, truly stood out. And I think if you guys are Buffy fans, are going to nod along with me. Band candy. <laughs> when all the adults start acting like children, Giles and Joyce were fantastic in this and the later references to this episode were like an inside joke for those of us who had watched everything and it was genius. Um, the episode I only have eyes for you. This is the one when the ghosts of the teacher and the student possess people and make them act out the final moments. When Buffy and Angel are possessed the acting was phenomenal. I was tearing up. And then when Angel comes out of it and realizes what happened, my goodness, David Boreanaz, if you ever listen to this, you are phenomenal in that moment. When, when you come true, when the ghost is out and you realize what has happened, your face hit me in the gut. It was so good. Um, Halloween, this is the one when they turn into their costumes. There's amazing one-liners in this. Absolutely amazing. I look back now and realize like the, the dirty jokes that I did not understand when I was younger that I get now. So good. And if you guys know this episode, you'll know the line I'm talking about. So funny. Uh, the episode, The Wish, 
when Cordelia wishes Buffy never came to Sunnydale and you get to see what Sunnydale would be like without the Slayer and we meet Vampire Willow and Xander. Oh, oh, so good. It was so good. Hush. This is the one with the gentleman. I remember watching it. It still left me uncomfortable 20 years later. It was so uncomfortable. And when I watched this episode the first time, I was in college and we would all get together and watch the episode. I think his name was Ben. And Ben, if you ever find this podcast, you need to email me. But we would all get together and watch the Buffy episodes in college. And we watched this one and then I had to walk back to my dorm room. And if you guys remember, like this was, I remember Tara walking across the dorm camp or walking across the college campus and the gentlemen were right behind her. And so I watched this episode and then I had to walk to my dorm. Oh my God. I don't think I breathed the whole way. Walking across that campus after that episode might be the bravest thing I've ever done in my whole life. And as an actress, acting a whole episode with no dialogue is not easy. And everybody in the show, even the extras, they do such a fabulous job with this. And then of course, number one episode of all time, I'm not even embarrassed to say this, once more with feeling the musical episode i could absolutely sing the entire soundtrack for you right now from front to back i was obsessed with it when it came out and listen we all knew that anthony stewart head could sing but when james marsters sang in this i think i died i think i actually died for a second and uh, thank god self-resuscitated because oh my gosh my life changed when he started singing i'm not even embarrassed to say that um binging the show 20 years later really put it into a new light of course obviously now i can look back and see how cheesy it was but i still loved it um, it brought in other things like witches and werewolves and ghosts and you know, we had X-Files, but that was really the only thing where we got to tune in every week and we didn't know what supernatural creature we were going to be exposed to. This really paved the way for that. Some of the big bads were not so great. <laughs> Adam, Adam was horrible. But the villains were always fun. I especially, and I know this gets hate, but I especially loved the season with the trio when Warren, Andrew, and Jonathan were Buffy's arch nemeses. So, so good. So funny. The episode where they're just trying to, they're like competing with each other to mess with her the most. So good. You know, I love a power nerd. My power nerds, I love you. Uh, on the flip side, I think we already know how I feel about Dracula being pulled into this universe. It was terrible. It was very ill-conceived. It just felt to me like they couldn't come up with anything. Or the writer's room was like, I really love Dracula. Can we pull Dracula in? Such a bad idea. So, so ill thought. Anyone who knows the show knows that Joss wrote this because he was sick of the helpless girls. Um, and that he also meant for the vampires to represent the difficult things that teenagers have to face. Uh, the show did sometimes go in a way that he did not want it to go. Uh, for example, Spike 
who was never meant to stay as long as he did, and he was never supposed to be a love interest. But sometimes you got to do what the fans want, and um, Spike was a favorite. He he, come on. Even I was Team Spike over Team Angel to this day. I loved him more 20 years ago, and I love him more now. To me, Spike had the best character development by far. Like I said, he represented the possibility that no matter what our history is, there is always the opportunity to be redeemed to turn it around and to be a better person. I don't want people who watch this to think that, you know, you're just waiting for the right person to come into your life and change everything. I don't want you to think that Spike only became good because he fell in love with Buffy. Please don't think that you're gonna find the right person and that person will fix you. That's not it. Um, you have to want to change for yourself you have to want to be a better person for yourself. And that was the one issue I found with this whole arc was that he wanted to get her, his soul back to win Buffy. That is problematic. You cannot hang everything in your life on one person. That's not fair to you and it's not fair to that person. However, he did have a wonderful story arc. Uh, he ended up being the hero in the very last episode. It was beautiful. The line of, I love you, no you don't, was wonderful. It was a beautiful callback. Um, and I love Spike as a character, but please don't ever think that like the right boy or girl is going to come along and fix everything for you. When I was 20 years old and I first watched this show, I sobbed when Buffy stabbed Angel, when she said, close your eyes, kissed him, and then stabbed him. Bawled my eyes out. I wept for her when Angel left town. I hated how much Giles and Joyce tried to control her. I thought the musical episode was like just kind of fun. I thought that I knew all about love, all about complicated relationships, all about life. Spoiler alert, 20 year old Lena didn't know shit, okay? 20 years later, I watched this show as a 40 year old. I now have two teenage daughters upstairs, just like Joyce did. I try desperately to get young people to listen to me, just like Giles did. I understand what the vampires are saying about not growing up too fast, about life, about how important it is to not let it all pass you by or take it for granted. I wept when Joyce died and left two daughters behind. I sobbed for Giles, who fell in love with Jenny only to have it wrenched away, felt absolute rage and sorrow but then found the compassion to let it go. I bawled when Giles had to leave Buffy because he recognized that she was not going to grow and take responsibility and become who she was meant to be with him there. I was so inspired by his patience, you know, all throughout the show, he tries to teach 
and they resist and he tries to teach and they resist and they think they know better and he you know I I see I see what it's like to be somebody this age somebody in a parental figure uh, position somebody with a, a huge responsibility who really is just trying to teach the next generation and continually has that resistance and continually sees how the path is going to play out but but you know they just don't want to they have to learn the hard way and when he sings about leaving when Tara sings about the betrayal of realizing that the person she loves has lied to her you know all of these songs in uh, the musical episode suddenly made sense and it suddenly was so powerful and hit me in such a different way when spike sings about how buffy should just let him rest in peace if she's not going to love him then she needs to just stop using him and move on so that he can move on it was heartbreaking i understand that the show was made for young adults but i really feel like it was lost on us when it came out like I said, when this show came out, I was the prime demographic. I went to high school with Buffy and the Scooby Gang. I went to college with Buffy and the Scooby Gang. We were exactly the same age. But I think that the show was completely lost on me. So it's not until 20 years later when we go and watch it again that you really truly understand the point of this show. And with that, we end season two of The Beautiful Dead. I cannot thank you enough for being with me these two years. I still can't believe that people not only listen to these, but there are people who get excited when a new episode drops. I'm honored to be a part of your lives. You give me what is the most precious thing on this earth, which is your time. You give me your time. I am honored to be a part of your lives. I hope you have magical holidays. Follow the vampire's wisdom and enjoy every moment. Don't take time for granted. I will be back with you in January. Please, in the meantime, find me on Instagram. Join my fanged family. See what I do between now and then. Watch for updates about the New Orleans Con, the uh, Kickstarter, my third book, and I would love to share the holidays with you. I love you all, and I wish you wicked hugs and bloody kisses. I will see you in 2023. Good evening.